Hello and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We are a uh, Christian faith community located in downtown Beloit, Wisconsin. I am Father T.J. Humphrey. For this episode, we are sharing with you a homily that I delivered on September 5th, yes, 5th, 2021. And this is kind of a Kickstarter for a season uh, where we focus, we are focusing on creation care. So we've calibrated kind of all of our liturgy, all of our sermons, a lot of what we're doing around um, the focal point of creation care and addressing the ecological crisis that we're now facing and are going to continue to face unless we all do something about it. So this sermon is kind of the opening sermon for that this upcoming season for us, uh, the title of this sermon is Go and Find Your Mountain. Thank you for listening. God bless. Uh, just a side note before you listen to the, to the sermon. Uh, if I'm ever accused of heresy uh, for a sermon, it will be for this one. And I will happily be accused of such. As the wisdom saying goes, the heresy of today will be the orthodoxy of tomorrow. Here's hoping. Here's hoping all of us in the church become heretics, because if we do not, our planet will continue to suffer. If I were to ask you, Where can you go to find the kindest, most compassionate people on the planet? How would you answer me? I don't know about you, but I can give my own answer from my own personal experience without even having to think about it. No hesitation whatsoever. Where can you go to find the kindest, most compassionate people on the planet? the mountains, specifically the backcountry trails of any mountain range. I have found this to be true in the Smokies, in the Rockies, and in the High Sierras during all of my hiking excursions. People who like to climb up mountains, they are simply the best people. And you thought that I, as a priest, was going to say that the kindest, most compassionate people on the planet can be found in church, didn't you? Yeah, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) I have been a church-going person for 20 years now and an ordained person for like nine of those years. Yeah, while I can certainly say that the best people I have ever met have been churchy people, I can also confidently say that the very worst people I have ever met have also been church people. But mountain hikers, when they are on the trail, regardless of where they are from, regardless of their age or gender or race or political persuasion, regardless of how smelly or dirty or fatigued or sore or blistered they are, I always find them to be incredibly pleasant and so full of joy. Like little children at Disney World, (laughs) like kids in a candy store, like a redneck at a Leonard Skinner concert, like a bro dude driving a BMW through town. <laughs> I mean, these hikers, 
they kindly share the trails and compassionately welcome fellow travelers. They always seem to say thank you whenever you let them pass, whenever you're going too slow. They offer food and water to you if you look like you're about to keel over from altitude sickness. And they can even discern the look on your face whenever you start to second guess your decision that climbing a mountain was a good idea. <laughs> whenever you realize that you would have been way more comfortable back in the tent or the hotel room lounging around, eating Cheetos and taking a nap, right? And as your legs start to ache and your lungs begin to burn, and as the difficulty of the climb hits you like a rock, these fellow mountain travelers, they remind you that it's all worth it, that the view from the top is breathtaking, that the journey itself is one that will never be forgotten, ever. And as you make it nearer to the peak, they cheer you on because they know from first-hand experience just how much suffering is involved in simply getting yourself there. Many of these folks, they're like spiritual pilgrims, and their mountain is their pilgrimage. And the words of that famous writer, activist, and adventurer, John Muir, seem to resonate deeply with them. The mountains are calling, and I must go. For them, the hike is something they feel joyfully called to. I know this because I am also one such pilgrim, one such glutton for high-altitude punishment. Recently, my family and I, we went on vacation to the Smoky Mountains. And one day I decided that it would be a good idea to hike up to the top of Mount Leconte. It was the third highest peak in the Smokies, apparently. It was a brutal five-mile hike, pretty much straight up to the peak, which meant that it was also a torturous five-mile hike straight back down from the peak. And if you've hiked a mountain, you know that sometimes, oftentimes, the journey down is the more painful one. Yeah, it was rough. And somewhere around my third mile in, there was like muscles that I didn't even know that I had. They started to ache and scream at me. And I began to second guess my ability to make smart decisions in life. But thankfully, right around that time, I had reached a clearing in the tree line. And I looked up and I saw another peak towering over me staring down at me. Even though the moon still lingered in the morning skies, the reddish-orange glow of the rising sun had painted the whole mountain with serene light. Even the clouds had descended, and they were gently dancing across the tip of the mountain. Words fail. It was simply a spectacular sight. I found a rock, and I sat down, and I just let myself stare. I can't tell you how long I sat there, just me and the mountain and the clouds and the sunrise. I was totally, helplessly awestruck. It was such a sacred moment, 
And I understood why so many people on these mountain trails, why they are so kind and compassionate. Despite the difficulty of the climb, the mountains have a way of overwhelming you with joyous, childlike wonder. I don't know about you all, but it's moments like these. Moments where Mother Earth renders me completely speechless. These are the moments where I feel the most alive, the most religious, the most divine, the most human, the most connected, the most centered, the most joyful. I sat there that morning, and I let the beauty of the mountain heal my soul. I let the mountain remind me of just how beautiful it is to be alive to be a human being on this majestic planet, planet spinning and floating through space. As Thomas Aquinas once wrote, God created the universe to make us drunk with its beauty. And I was certainly drunk in the moment. My friends, as we focus on climate care in the Episcopal Church, we're focusing on climate care for a little over a month now and gearing our liturgies and our sermons and all of that around it. As we focus on climate care this month and how we as Christians are called to love our planet, the inner activist in many of us is going to want to come out, and rightfully so. We hear about the horrible wildfire in Lake Tahoe, a fire that has sadly now devastated one of the most beautiful trails and camping areas that I have ever been to. And as we read about Hurricane Ida, and as we hear about record-breaking summer temperatures, and as we learn more about how ancient glaciers are melting away at a rapid pace, all of this due to the effects of global warming, and as the air quality in cities across the globe get worse, and as we read more and more about the garbage patch floating around in the Pacific Ocean, we naturally want to do something about it for our kids and our grandkids, for all future generations, for all life on this planet. But before you decide to get out there and to make a difference, I want to urge you to hit the pause button. It's important that our actions find their basis in the right motivation. It's important that we find our own healing before we seek to bring healing to anyone or anything else. To not do so would be like the demon-possessed girl in our gospel reading this morning trying to exercise another demon-possessed person before she's found her own healing or the deaf and mute guy trying to heal the deaf and mute while he is still deaf and mute. We must find our own healing first. How do we do this? First, go and find your mountain. Go and find your mountain. Let it wow you. Let it change you. Let it fill you with joy, kindness, and compassion. Let it heal you. Go and meditate on the beauty of something that God has created. Let it call you to itself and transform you. Go and find your mountain. And it can be a river, 
a lake, or a tree. Many of the greatest saints of history have had their moments of enlightenment, their moments of awakening underneath trees, even modern figures like Father Bede Griffiths or Father Thomas Keating. Also, right, ancient figures like the Buddha. Your mountain, it can be a whole forest. It can be a blade of grass or an entire field, a flower or an entire garden, an insect or an animal. It can be the sun's warmth or the cool morning breeze. It can be the rain, the snow, the blue sky, the stars at night, the image of God in another human being. Go and find your mountain and let yourself feel the sacredness of our planet through it, the sacredness of your own body, the sacredness of all existence. It is crucial that you go and find your mountain. Do as St. Thomas Aquinas urges all of us to do. Get out from behind all of your screens. Get in the habit of turning off the TV and computer. Put the cell phone down and get outside. Stop listening to me right now and get outside. (laughs) Carve out time in your life where you do nothing else but let yourself get drunk off of the beauty of this universe, of this planet. Before we can address things like pollution and climate change and the threats, the very real threats, endangering entire species, endangering us all, before we can play any meaningful part in bringing about healing for our planet, we need to first stop all of our doing. And we need to let the planet heal us. For you cannot worship Christ on the altar if you do not pity the suffering Christ in melting glaciers, in endangered animals, in parched lands, in polluted oceans, and in forests that have been reduced to ash. For those who are wise and discerning, there is no difference. There is no difference between the healing that can be found in the waters of baptism and in the waters of a Wisconsin lake. Notice I said Wisconsin lake, not Illinois lake. So for those of you who live on the other side of the state line, (laughs) you will have to make your way up to Wisconsin if you want to have your cathartic experience. Even Lake Michigan gets holier once you cross over the state line into the great promised land of Wisconsin, the land flowing with beer and cheese. (laughs) For those who are wise and discerning, there is no difference between the salvation that can be found in the Eucharist and the salvation that can be found on a mountain peak. For those of you who are wise and discerning, you understand that our entire planet is contained in the bread that you receive at the altar rail. You understand that our entire planet is an altar rail. To experience God in the Eucharist and to experience God in nature are two sides to the same coin. So go and find your mountain. Fall in love with its beauty. Let it heal you. 
Let it overwhelm you with joy. Kneel before it with the same reverence that you would kneel at this altar rail. Then get up. Turn your meditation into action and fight to preserve it as the sacrament that it is before it's too late.